Journey Church, you alive? Eleven's always a little louder. I like it that college kids are in the house, probably. Good to see you. Good to be with you. The true Christians are in the house. You could have been out fly fishing today or whitewater rafting or golfing, but you're here ready to receive the word of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. My name is Alex, and I am your downtown and digital engagement pastor. Digital engagement doesn't mean I just play around on Facebook all day. We actually have people watching online this morning from Nepal and India, all across the globe. So pretty cool uh, what our online team gets to do. And then we also um, are excited about our downtown campus. About four years ago, Pastor Bob and I had a conversation about what would it look like to reach downtown. And I was in San Diego at the time, but longed to come back here. And since then, had got married and now have a little baby boy who just turned six months old, which is kind of exciting. You celebrate every day when they're that age because it's just like you're trying to keep them alive. So... Uh, Six months old, we're pretty excited, and we came back uh, with the purpose to join your family in launching a campus downtown. And so many people have said, when's the campus starting? And to which I responded, it already has. We already have prayer happening downtown. We have communities that are going to be starting in August and September. We're going to have a worship night in September downtown. And so I'd love to chat downtown with you if uh, you have an interest in being a part of what's happening downtown. Um, I've probably purchased about 50 skinny vanilla lattes and oat milk lattes over the last couple months because we've just meet, been meeting with people. So I'm going broke, but it's good. And so if you want to just chat downtown or connect um, about what's happening in our campus downtown, I'd love to take you out to coffee. My email is on the website. We'd be looking forward to connecting with you. Today, we get to talk about a song that I love. It's called Rattle. And we've been in this collection of talks called Anthology, which... The word anthology means a collection of poems or writings or songs. And in our case, songs, we're looking at the great worship songs that we sing every single Sunday. And in a couple minutes, we're about to sing Rattle. And Rattle is this call to arms for the church. It was written by Chris Brown and a team on the East Coast. And they actually wrote it over Zooms and FaceTimes. You can believe it or not, they wrote it in quarantine. It was just kind of this pent-up anthem of emotion as we sat in quarantine last year, missing weddings funerals, anniversaries, celebrations, missing what it was like to be a church family on Sunday, having kind of to rediscover what it looked like to follow Jesus and to be the leader of our family and our kids. And so they wrote this song called Rattle, and it has this great undertone of only God can make dead things come alive. And we're going to get there and just a minute. We're going to be in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to give you some time to get there today because you probably weren't in it this morning. And it's in the Old Testament. Turn backwards. It's in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37. But first, I wanted to share a story about this week. I thought I was going to be the first one here on a Tuesday. It was 7 a.m. And I came in. I was all excited. Uh, I was like, God, I beat everyone here for prayer. Yes, so spiritual. And then I heard this guy praying already. He'd probably been there for hours. Um, Out of the corner of the offices, and there's a couple moments in life where God just arrests you in your spirit, and I felt God impress upon me, man, you need to listen to this. And so I just sat there, and I listened to this guy pray, and he was praying for revival for Bozeman, for Gallatin Valley, for us as a people, and come to find out, he has been praying for revival for the Gallatin Valley for 40, 50 plus years. 
and I listened to his prayer and it's interesting, you can tell a lot by how a person prays, their reverence, their closeness to God and we're all on a journey in prayer but this man I envied. If you're ever gonna envy someone, envy their faith, envy their nearness to God and I just had to listen and I heard this man asking God for revival in Bozeman. And he said, Lord, we've seen a great shakening in the 1700s. We saw a great shakening in the 1800s. He said, God, we saw a great shakening in the 1900s. But in our day, we have yet to see revival like before. And he said, God, we wait patiently upon you to do it again. We wait patiently upon you and prayerfully to do it again. See, this man understood that Revival is God's business. Revival belongs to God. He has set forth the times and seasons in which he's going to lift back up his church, breathe life into dry churches, dry faith, dry marriages. And we really believe that like our friend who was praying, revival is coming. Revival in our day would be an incredible thing to get to tell our kids about. And it's what we have been praying for at downtown Bozeman and the Gallatin Valley at large. Is that wouldn't it be amazing years from now? I pray sooner than later. Bozeman would be known not for the blue ribbon fly fishing or the whitewater rafting or the amazing golf courses or seemingly endless coffee shops that keep popping up that are amazing. Or music on Main or even whom I love dearly, especially if you're an athlete in here today, the MSU Bobcats, amen. Oh, we got some claps, I love it. But what if Bozeman came to be known for all those things, but even something greater? What if people traveled here because they knew that's where God was pleased to dwell? That was a people who longed to see Jesus high and lifted up in their churches, in their life, What if Bozeman was known as that kind of place? What if you didn't have tourists coming here just for Glacier National Park and Yellowstone National Park, don't pet the bison, but for a move of God that we got to see in our day revival. And just like my friend was praying and has been praying for the last 50 years, what would it look like, man, if our churches and our families and our businesses just handed it all over to God and say, God, what would you have me do in my time here? Our prayer is revival in our day. I believe we're going to see it. Ezekiel was given this vision in Ezekiel 37. Did I give you enough time to get there? I was like 10 minute introduction. Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 was given this vision. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And interestingly enough, only God can make dead things come alive. Some of us know this. But only something living can make something dead come alive. A dead thing can't do that. Let me prove it to you. It says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, before we get to Ezekiel, it says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace, friend, that you have been saved. Only God can make dead things come alive and God wants revival more than anyone and he has set the times and places and spaces in which revival will 
happen. Revival belongs to God, but we get to play a part. And that's the beautiful thing. God in his grace and mercy lets people like us play a part in the revival and renewal of cities all over the world. And Ezekiel is this prophet that's living in a day and age which the nation of Israel had turned far from God. The nation had turned from the God that had brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Jordan River, through the Red Sea, into the promised land. And this people had turned from the God who had provided. He, they'd turned from the God who had made a way. As soon as they got to the promised land, they started to worship other gods. They started to make things more important than God. They had forgotten about God, but God in his kindness, patience, and forbearance and great love had not forgotten about them. And so too in our churches today, all over the world, God has not forgotten about us. I don't know if you know the spiritual climate in the world or even let alone America, but in the last 20 years, we've gone from 45% of the population being a practicing Christian on mission with the Holy Spirit in their church to bring renewal and revival to the city to 25%. That's one percentage decline every year. It's the sharpest we've ever seen. College students are dropping and leaving their faith like never before as they go to college. The rise of the nuns, that is those who check none, no religious affiliation on different documents, or they check agnostic or atheist, that rise has leaked into all of culture, their spiritual decay in culture. If we've ever needed revival, it's now. And God loves to stack the odds against himself to prove who brought about revival. And in Ezekiel's day, it wasn't much different as this nation was brought into the promise. They turned from the one who promised it. And so Ezekiel gets this vision in chapter 37, and God brings them into this valley of dry bones as God's people are cut off from hope, decimated from their temple. They're taken into exile, into quarantine, into Babylon, uprooted from everything they once knew and once knew even how to follow God. They're now with a people that wanted nothing to do with them, and Ezekiel is given this vision. It says this, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel, being the smart prophet, replied, Lord God, only you know. That's above my pay grade, God. Only you know if this nation can actually come back to you. Only you know if our people will actually turn around. Only you can make something dead come alive. It continues in verse four. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you Come back to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. 
So Ezekiel prophesied, and just as he had been commanded, and while he was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone, and as he looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew on them, skin covered them, but there was no breath yet in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy. Son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breathe. And breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, the breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am gonna open your graves and bring you up from them, my people. And I'm gonna lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ooh, I love this. I have spoken it and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Father, you've spoken revival long ago. You've spoken revival back before we were even in Bozeman. And we ask you today to speak to our hearts about where you're seeking revival in our own life, where you're seeking renewal in our own life. We realize that revival starts with the individual, then leaks into the community, then leaks into the whole city and valley. There's a group of us, hopefully all of us today, that want to see you is the one who never turned away from us. And we seek revival in our own life and we pray, God, that we would see it in our day. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. These people in Ezekiel's day, they were dead, cut off in a dry season of life. I don't know if you coming out of 2020, maybe into 2021, still are in a dry season. Maybe a dry season in your faith maybe in a dry season of following Jesus, as you follow Jesus, we should get more and more and more ignited as Christians. I was talking the other day with some friends and uh, we were having this discussion about on-fire Christians. And on-fire Christians sometimes do things a little bit weird. They're a little bit loud. They actually share the gospel. They disciple people. They pray with people on the side of the street. And we realize, man, there is nothing but an on-fire Christian. And so I don't know where you are in your faith, but I've been following Jesus for a while and there are seasons of my life I've felt dry. Like I felt like I'm just checking boxes. I felt like my church's experience was coming to a, a building on a Sunday. But I, I, I wanna tell you today, man, church isn't just about coming to a building on a Sunday, but being a part of a family that you can belong to, to feel known and loved, to be equipped to use your gifts so that you're set on fire for what God has for this city. I felt a dryness in my own faith over the last year. And maybe it's because we were trying to rediscover how to do church, how to be the community of God when we were cut off from the building. I believe God is bringing revival, even how we discover how to follow him in this new day and age. That we take ownership of our own faith that the gospel is more powerful in the hands of all y'all, not just someone with a microphone, that you're all worship leaders, 
You were all leading people in how to worship each in every day. Have you felt a dryness in your faith? God wants to preach to you today. He wants you to know that as you turn back to him, he can ignite you again. How about your marriage? Has it been dry? Most marriages start off with this forest fire of love and passion and excitement. And then life happens. And it sometimes feels like you're just living with a roommate and maybe you don't have a mission anymore as a couple. And God wants to speak to that today. If your marriage feels dry, if it isn't on fire like it once was, God can make dead things come alive. This is what the song we're gonna sing about in a moment is all about. This is what God is trying to do in our cities. It's to renew individuals, renew marriages, renew families so that they can seek the revival of their city. And this is what Ezekiel got to see. He suddenly saw this valley of dry bones and the Bible indicates that they were very dry bones. Isn't that interesting, the detail? Bones are dead, but dry bones, it's like it's been dead for a while. And God was showing him, man, only I can bring revival to something this dead. I don't care how far away you feel from God today. And maybe you sense that somehow he's turned your back onto, that could be back on you, that could be the greatest lie of the enemy. He can't turn his back on you. He didn't turn his back on Israel and Jesus made a way that he would never turn his back on anyone again. And so I don't know where you are today in that level of dryness. What area of life seems a little bit dry, but I know that God is seeking revival for that area of your life. And Ezekiel got to see this valley of dry bones start to come to life. And isn't it beautiful? The Bible says a vast army came out. We got to believe that God is raising a vast army of disciples from all over the world to carry his gospel message into their cities. And what would it look like for us to take part and not just attending church, but be on mission where we are. You know what I love about the great commission that Jesus offers to each and every one of us that would be his followers? Most of us know it as therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and I will be with you always. But the beginning of that, the great commission that God gives each and every one of us is better rendered as you go. As you go, real estate agent, mom, single mom, dad, banker, teacher, fishing guide, as you go, make disciples. As you go, you are the army of God in the city that needs hope. The gospel, again, is better off in all of our hands and, and just a couple people with a microphone. And I believe God is shaking his church in our day, rattling it up to see his people come to life as a vast army that carry his name into the city. Ezekiel got to see this vision and then the people of God would get to experience it. And so I've been studying revivals and trying to search for common undertones and themes and what is our part 
in revival. If revival belongs to God, if only he can make a dead thing come to life. If only he can take someone who's far off and bring them near. What is our part? What do all revivals have in common? From the 1700s where there was a great awakening in the 1800s and late 1800s where there was a second, third awakening in 1905 when there was the great Welsh revival, 1906 in Azusa Street in LA, 1960s and 70s, the Jesus people, some of you all them. All of these revivals have something in common where hundreds of thousands, if not millions, turned back to the Lord. The one thing in common, the part we get to play is repentance. And I felt the mood shift a little there because repentance is an interesting word that has been hijacked by culture and the devil himself. It's this beautiful word. It's this beautiful word that means turn back to me. Metanoia is the Greek word. It means to change your mind about God, to change your mind about your story, to change your mind about his love. It means to turn back to God. It's what happened in Ezekiel's day. And I believe it's what God is gonna do in our day. All the great revivals, whether started or launched by prayer or a preacher or supernatural healings had one thing in common, repentance. The people turned back to God. Revival equals repentance and repentance is this beautiful word that was the very first word that Jesus preached. He says in Mark 1, he says, kingdom is near, repent. Turn back to my father and believe in his goodness. Believe in his grace. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible of repentance and revival is Jonah. And if you would travel with me there for just a moment, I'm gonna give you some context and you can open your Bibles if you want. But Jonah 1, it's the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, this dark city that has ransacked the people, full of murderers. I want you to go to preach a message of repentance to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, no thanks, I'm hopping a ship, see you later. Nineveh had actually, as you come to study the historical context of the city, Nineveh had actually tortured some of Jonah's own ancestors and his people. So what God was asking him to do was so far from Jonah's mind. They didn't deserve the grace of God, Jonah thought. And so he runs. Isn't it interesting? God calls us to bring revival. And God even sets forth a plan and a purpose for our life. But right next to that, the enemy will set down another path. And as it were, there was a ship leaving that day from Joppa to Tarshish. And Tarshish was just a place of entertainment and comfort and relaxation and indifference. And if the sin of the day isn't indifference in our churches, I don't know what is. God is trying to bring life back into our faith. That we're all on mission to serve this unforgettable, unbelievable God. And Jonah boards the ship towards entertainment, comfort, indifference. And he goes his own way. He turns from God. And God in his grace and mercy sends a storm, which should preach a message to us today that maybe the storm we're in, God can use. In fact, maybe the storm we're in is, we're in is God's grace itself. 
Oh, if I could, I could tell you story after story of the storms I got myself into and the storms God used in my life where he turned my life around and back to him. Don't be afraid of the storm you're in if you're there today. Jonah is caught in a storm, thrown from the ship, drowning in the sea, and we all know it. The whale comes and swallows him and revival happens in the belly of a whale which tells me revival can happen just about anywhere. Three days, three nights, Jonah spends in this whale. And by the end of it, we see Jonah turning back to God, turning back to the God who created him, who knows him most and loves him most. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. As the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances, whoever would turn to him, his kindness would rest on them, forgiveness is for them. And Jonah takes this message of repentance to the city in which he hated and he preaches it. And it says he walked down the city streets and he said, turn. You've turned from the Lord, your wickedness has got you here. Turn back to God, repent. And God turned the whole city around. Some scholars believe 200,000 plus from the king to the peasant turned their life back to God. Revival happens when a people see clearly who God is and turn back to him. Repentance is this beautiful word that allows us to see at points in our life, man, God is worth more than what I'm living for the lust, the addiction, the anger. God's worth more. And the power of repentance is not in what we're turning from, but who we are turning to. A pastor and one of my best friends and discipler sat me down and we had this conversation about repentance and it's talked about, man, what what is gospel repentance really look like? It's more than just confession. It's more than contrition of heart. It's you see Jesus for who he really is. Romans 2, 4, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The power of repentance is not what you're turning from, but who you are turning to. I've turned from a lot of things in life and not towards God. And then I just turn to something else. And some of us turn from one addiction to the next. Some of us turn from lust and then turn towards anger and then turn towards pride. What actually changes a life is a life that repents and turns to the beauty of the gospel. God is working on my heart even this week. Even this morning, I pulled up a picture of my son and God was preaching a message to me of gospel love. What does love really look like? What does it look like to turn to God? What does it look like to have your whole gaze turned by the beauty of his love. And I was looking at pictures of my son backstage and (laughs) man, I love that little guy. We started to feed him um, some like organic purees, like where you puree stuff. Might be a bougie millennial thing. I don't know. Um, And he just has it like all over his face, just smiling. I'm like, man, I would do anything for that guy. And I was talking with my wife and my other dad, I'd call him my father-in-law, but we're way too close for that. And, uh, 
and I, we were talking the other, the other night about love and how when you get married, you experience a new kind of love for your spouse. When you have a kid, new kind of love. And I've heard when you have grandkids, an even newer kind of love, amen. And, and some of you have that kind of love though for a friend. You know what I'm talking about. It's the kind of love that would step in front of a semi for them. It's the kind of love that would take a bullet for them. And it's what we, my wife and I experienced for our little son. And, and isn't this the message of the gospel? But actually God goes one bigger. God sends his most valuable possession, his one and only son to hang on the cross for you and I. Every lie we ever told, every time we ever walked away from him, every excuse we've ever made, every ounce of pride hung on the cross on Jesus, every lustful thought, every time we went our own way instead of God's, every time we made an idol out of things that were less than him, every time we built our life on something other than the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus hung on the cross for that. And the wrath due us went on him so that we might find life. That whoever would believe in this Jesus shall receive forgiveness, purpose, hope, and eternal life. And the message of the gospel is a message of value. It's been said that the value of something is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. Your value to God is worth enough to send his only son. I can't imagine sending my son in sacrifice for someone who would spit on him, who would mock him, who would never say yes to him. I can't imagine doing that with my son, Aiden, as I look into his eyes with puree all over his face. I take a bullet for him, but sacrificing him for someone who would never respect him or love him or cherish him or turn to him, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that, but the great news of the gospel is that God did. This is the kindness of God, that at your worst, he sent his son for you. In your greatest need, he provided a way out. When you were dry and dead, he brought life through Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 37 is a vision, not only for Israel, but also what happened on Calvary. God was gonna make dead things come to life for anyone that would believe in Jesus. And so I don't know where you are today, but I know revival is coming for your life if you would seek it. And isn't it interesting in Jonah's story that revival first comes for him and then moves to Nineveh, so too in our lives that revival comes to us on its way to someone else. God turns one heart around and then he turns a whole city around. Never underestimate what God can do with one family, one man or woman, one college student who seeks God's face, turns from their ways, humbles themselves and say, God, take it all. What would you have me do? This is where revival starts. It starts in you. Would you bow your heads with me?
Father, we need revival now more than ever before. We need it. It has to happen. We pray to be a people that are humble, that seek your face, that pray, and that turn. We realize that the power of the turn is not in our self-will, but in seeing again the beauty of the gospel that you sent your one and only son, your most valuable possession for us. You died to know us, you died to forgive us, you died to make a new way for us. And so I pray for these in the room today, like myself that are seeking revival for areas of our life, whether it's marriages or how to be a godly business person or the single mom that feels cut off from maybe community and hope or the student in here that is getting to experience a lot of things in college, a lot of different philosophies and ideologies and is seeking truth or whether it's Someone's been following you for a long time, but has lost their fire and their flame. God, I pray they would hear there's still an ember in them. As you breathe on, you can make come to life. With all eyes closed and hearts bowed, if you want revival in an area of your life, would you just raise your hand? you raise your hand with me? Hands going up all over the room. Amen. 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 I'm raising my hand too. Father, I pray for these, for these that are turning back to you. You're too good not to give our entire life to. You're too good not to treasure all of our days. We turn to you in repentance and belief that you are who you are say you are, you're gonna do what you said you're gonna do. You've spoken it and it will happen. So we prophesy life back into dry bones. We prophesy life back into dry faith. I pray healing over the marriage that feels dead. For the lonely and the suicidal in here, God, show them how much you care. You've seen their life. You've never left them. Show them right now how much you care. I pray for the one that's been battling depression for years, it seems, without any solution. God, would you bring healing and hope to them today? They don't walk alone. You're their God. You have a plan and a purpose for them. And I pray for our church and the churches in the Gallatin Valley, just like our friend has been praying for for over 50 years. Lord, let us see revival in our day. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet? We're gonna sing this incredible song called Rattle.
Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointing, Sunday's empty too. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now 
at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.